putting career first do you put yourself first the moment you become a wife family your husband everything etc 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 comes first and your needs take a back seat then you become a mother so the moment you become a mother it's a societal cultural conditioning and the expectation ki women's ultimate moksha or a goal in life is that her life revolves around the children Hi everyone and welcome to the Career Uninterrupted podcast. A place where we sit with some of the best and brightest minds to explore the changing landscape of careers and what this means for the future of work. I'm your host Lochan Narayanan, founder and CEO of Off Experiences, a pioneering platform that equips and enables mid-career professionals to thrive through career transitions. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Career Uninterrupted. I'm your host Lochan Narayanan, founder and CEO of Off Experiences. Our guest for today is Major Pallavi Shivanna. Pallavi is an armed forces personnel who transitioned very beautifully into the world of HR, where she's been part of strategic HR planning, helping transform businesses. She has been instrumental in creating a culture of transparency, accountability and spirit of entrepreneurship across the different organizations that she has worked in. Today with Pallavi we will explore the real journey of career transitions, her own journey as well as all the journeys she has been supporting as a leadership and transformational coach too. So thank you Pallavi for being here. Thank you so much for taking time out and agreeing to be a guest and sharing your journey with us. Hey hi Lochan good evening thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this uh, episode wherein i can share my thoughts and as well as my experiences the learnings that i've had through my experiences fantastic so because you said experiences i want to start with that so tell us a little bit about you and your career journey i know you were part of the armed forces so how was that and how was the transition from there just a little bit about that Okay so in uh, a quick nutshell uh, to tell about me is i come with a 25 years of work experience including corporate as well as the armed forces uh, experience i immediately after the uh, graduation i was i've always been fascinated with uniform and that a uh, fascination still remains so i was just drawn to apply for the short service commission and i just applied and i just got through so i just went and uh, attended the ssb and got through it and then after that 9 years was an amazing amazing experience uh, especially we are one of the i was from the 11th batch of the women services we back in 97 98 so the number of women officers were very very less like including our batch when we passed out we would be around 310 350 so that was the number of lady officers in the army at that point in time 24 years back actually and uh, my experience was uh, going you know completely from a civilian background uh, to the army network and especially the male dominated how do i say it's a career which is completely completely ruled over by the male uh, colleagues my male counterparts okay so it was quite a journey for me and if i have to say the learnings that i've had in my army career is you are going there as a soldier you are a soldier first you are a lady or a gentleman comes next and that is something all my commanding officers all my seniors i learned it from them if you are a soldier your fellow you know soldiers at these the soldiers that you command they will look up to you for them a leader is a leader 
And that is something I, even today, I hold it very close to my heart. That is something I learned. I never give up attitude in terms of so many adversities. That That is why the army trainings are so, so tough. You know, they make you physically so tough because to build up your emotional resilience. When we were in the training academy, we said, why are they making us do all these things? Because we're physically so drained. Then you realize that physically when you're drained, you're emotionally, you become more tougher and to handle situations on the ground. So after nine years, that point in time, what happened? Uh, there was no visibility for the lady officers. So I made a choice to move to the corporate world. Otherwise, they were still there. Another five more years I could have served, but I made a choice. I did my management course from uh, six months certification course from Narsimhanji, Mumbai. It was a full-time residential course. Basically, it is not like a typical MBA for every uh, freshers who do it. People already are working professionals who have had life experiences. It's like on-the-job learning for us. Basically, to give the nuances of what happens in the corporate world, we have already been doing in the courses. All different departments, whether it is HR, whether it is operations. We technically been doing everything in the in the forces, project management, everything. So that was learning of different jargons in NMIMS. Then got placed through campus. Uh, we ourselves did the campus. We made our own brochures. And all the youngsters, we were all like, you know, 30 plus, uh, 30 plus, 35, 40 year old people, you know, going and uh, you know engaging with all these 21, 22 year old youngsters. We were asking them, like, how do you do it? Like, how, how does it happen? Like, it was like butterflies for us also. It's not that it happened. You know, just like that, we had to really learn, uh, you know, dirtying the hands. Then we went and knocked the corporate houses and hand over our brochures. See, look, we you have people with five plus years to nine years to 20 years plus experience who have had real lifetime experiences who can contribute and add value to the organization. And that is how I got placed to campus with ICSO Lombard. And that is when my journey into the HR started. So the reason why HR is I'm basically a graduate in criminology, psychology, and sociology. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a okay. in psychology. Just <laughs> so I, it was not planned that I have to get into HR. So while being in the army, man management becomes it's part of part and parcel of our you know life there. And then while I was doing my the certification MBA course, um, then I realized either marketing or HR, because these two things where you interact with a lot of people. So then naturally I picked up being a HR professional. So that is how my journey into HR happened. Awesome. Awesome. I personally have always been very fascinated with the armed forces. I think I was very keen to, you know, go ahead and try it out, but I was more keen with the Air Force, I think. But um, right when I was a kid, like maybe in high school, somebody told me that, okay, you know what, you need to study the science. You have to like study physics and maths. And I was terrible at it. So I said, okay, maybe something else I'll try. So yeah, so armed forces has always been like a fascination. I think I've, I've invariably inadvertently surrounded myself with like people like that and, and somehow. And the, the life there is is different. So how did the transition into the corporate world happen? And how easy was it were, were there some things that you had to let go of in terms of, you know, your own way of working or were there some things that you had to very actively adopt in your way of working when you made the switch? How was that transition? It was not so easy, but I must say thanks to my stay in Bombay. When while I was doing my course in Narsimonji, I happened to stay in a working women's hostel and it was like a cultural shock for me. 
and maybe that was the the ground which actually made me uh, you know get ready to the to the civil world uh, the corporate world i must say i was still serving and this was a course by the director general resettlement in collaboration with all the management institutes across india so and ours was one of the first batch narsimhanji bombay so and i somehow through somebody i figured it out it's a working women's hostel people are all the 20 21 22 all youngster young girls and i am the i was already married and i had a child then i left my son with my mom for six months for me i am in the army i was already nine years i was a major so i i used to have my own cabin bell bajaya so then there is a runner used to come and come and give a glass of water chai everything so first 15 days to a month i kept searching another place to move from the working women's hostel it was i was finding it so horrible getting up early in the morning to keep the bucket to i know I, it may sound very very uh, trivial but i must tell you because i i am what i am today because of the experiences what i have experienced in life so all these youngsters they go and stand in the queue for food imagine as an army officer that was a cultural shock for me finally when one month traveling every day in the local train and getting down in an auto catching an auto one month was a settling period there is a saying you right you know group dynamics this always like you know you are forming you are storming then you are then norming and then performing so i was going through that phase uh, in that work hostel yeah so thanks to all those youngsters who helped me to adjust to the civil world i mean that was a most important inhibition not inhibition are i'm already an army officer like why should i go and stand in a queue like why should i do all these things i was also thinking of moving to some other place but i'm glad i'm i'm really glad that i stayed back those six months taught me the wherewithal and how to manage and how to be in the the corporate and the civil world right yeah so you know the way we talk about leadership in the in the armed forces right and and there's a lot of debate around it so a lot of people say oh you know the leadership there is very hierarchical there is you know you have to follow your boss's instructions otherwise you know you could lose your job or and so on and and so forth and the other flip side to it is that yes but you're also putting your life at risk in, in a lot of you know uh, forward um, teams etc that where you are you're putting your life at risk and you need to trust that leader in in a different lens but did you feel a difference in the leadership style that you had as an army officer versus the leadership style you needed to adopt when you moved into the corporate world and you know the last few years that you last many years that you spent in it has there been like an adaptation that had to happen or you could just pick it up and put it there how was that transition for you see the best part about the armed forces people including all tri services that we are very very fungible and we are very flexible because of our training across and we can adapt to any situation and any place and at any environment that is one of the best thing so for me what happened uh, uh, like you were mentioning it's hierarchical so the reason being why it is hierarchical there there, there are two things as a leader either you are a taskmaster either you are a people person you need to have a combination so it depends also the type of task that you're handling and it it happens in the corporate as well so somebody who is at a mid level or a junior person he may not be a people person so for him it is task kra is there so you deliver it right at the same time somebody at a you know head of the department the person has to be a task master also has to be a people person the balance has to be there that similar thing is there even in the army 
only thing have been shown in the movies with the, an army person holding a cane and you know, you know, or with a gun and showing and talking to people. But that's not the uh, the real thing. We have fun. We also uh, the most important thing is the the respect for the rules we follow there. And and as a leader. Uh, I have had tough times making people accept me, especially in the first two years when I was joining. People think, "Oh my God, somebody from the army is coming." Oh, I hope she doesn't make us do lot of like the parade. And literally, they have told this to me after a few months. You know, after I joined, hope she's not going to follow the typical regime what she's been following there in the office. Also, itne baje login karna. You have to walk in like this. You have to do this. I said, yeah, come on, I'm a, I'm a human being. Maybe I've, I've worked there. I've been wearing uniform. And of course, I follow the protocol there. When you're in a different situation, a different scenario, you follow those protocols. So they were, I, I was left alone, isolated for some time. You know, I had to make on my own efforts to go and talk to people. So look, I'm so-and-so. I've joined as a regional, I joined as a regional HR. Okay, so I said, I've joined as a regional HR. I take care of this thing. That's it. That was very, very cold, uh, you know, uh, look. I was thinking, oh my God, did I do the right thing, the right decision by leaving Forge and like, what is happening? But as I said, the resilience was there not to give up. So I continued my effort within three to six months. Like I was so popular when I left after four years, with, I'm from ICSA Lombard. My team were only one person was there in my team. The rest of everybody were in different cities. I was sitting out of Chennai. So my corporate office was in Bombay. Business people and the local, all the business, uh, the regional people who were sitting out of the bank, they actually organized the farewell for me. Oh, wow. Okay. And not my team. My team, there was only one person. Right. But yeah. that they organized, they they organized, they gave a speech. Like it was very, it was a nice feeling. Wow. I was able to contribute something. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, and my my contributions are seen. It's been recognized. Yeah, that was, that was uh, the thing. So as a leader, you need to adapt. At the same time, you also need to make your point clear. I have seen this even in the army. It is not uh, uh, what they show in the movies. Again, I repeat, I've had commanding officers with whom I've served. They were very open for suggestions. So I used to, you know, share this is my thought, this is my thought. Maybe I used to not very vocally in saying it, but then respect there is a hierarchy. The way you the way you communicate it. And of course, I think that's equally important. And that's something that people miss out on. It's not, you don't go ahead and disrespect another person's point of view, but you find your way to kind of convey that to them. No, that happens in both, uh, you know, corporate as well as in the, in every sector. At the end of the day, everyone where we have human beings, you know, operating in those spaces, right? Just because you're in the corporate, you're not too civil. Just because you're in the forces, you're not too rude. At the end of the day, it's all about human beings. Exactly. So, so just this brings me to the different another question to say that you've also undergone a different kind of a career transition. You did move out of the corporate. You started something. You started the freelance journey, and you came back. So, how was that? You know what prompted it? Technically, it was not a freelance. I I must say okay. that during COVID, um, you know, I tell this to people. It was too overwhelming for me managing three children, their online classes, and was working fifteen hours a day. And I felt sick. I was down with COVID. Too many things were happening. There was something at my personal front. Things were going. I had to put that thing in place. I just decided to take a break. I just took a break, and in that break, I was not sitting at home. I 
completed my coaching journey. I got certified myself as an associate certified coach through ICF. I completed that certification. I also completed my mentoring and my other training program with hypnotherapy and also the other modalities. And in that period, I also started coaching people as an executive and a life coach. So meanwhile, yes, I had to you know come back to the career co- corporate front. So I said, okay, let me go back and then see. And then a futuristic plan. So it's like that. Yeah, sure. So um, given that now you've been in this, you know, corporate world and the HR world for, you know, quite some time, what really like, and I know that you're a very active advocate and for, for women empowerment, for inclusion, for diversity as well. So what are, what really got you interested in this space? Was there like an incident or any anything or any of your own experience that really got you, you know, interested? How how did your interest come about here? It's my own personal journey, and I've seen life from very close quarters within the family and extended family and friends, especially women, how they actually end up sacrificing their own career, life, and everything for the family. Yes, it's family is important. I'm not denying it. At the cost of what? So. My personal journey is like I've seen my mom, my, I've seen my sisters, I've seen my friends and their moms, how they are so, so intelligent, but they give up their career just because somebody has to take care of children. And I, I have been very vocal about it. Look, why women? Women give birth to the child. It doesn't mean that she's the only one who, can who has care. to take care yeah. of children. I mean, at the end of the day, it is both parents are equally responsible to, uh, to bring up children. I mean, it's a different platform here. So I really cannot share. I've seen a lot of uh, violence and abuses and, you know, wherein uh, anything wrong happening in the family, it's always blamed for a woman. So for me, any woman taking a career break and then coming back, I have a huge respect because it takes a lot of guts to, you know, uh, put those things in place and take care of your financial independence and come to the forefront. And the reason why I also have the soft corner for women. Financial independence is very important for women. It's important for everybody, but especially for women, because you have the power of decision-making. You can make your own decisions. The day you don't have a financial independence, your decision-making power dies. So education and financial independence for women is important. Please, I tell this to everybody, wherever I get an opportunity to go and you know give a talk on emotional mental wellness or anything, I say focus on giving education to your children, boy or a girl, it doesn't matter. And if they are educationally qualified in such a way that they can stand on their own and make their own life, that's the best gift you can give. Financially smart and independent. Like I keep asking my friends, like, okay, have you invested in any insurance? Have you? Do you have a health insurance? Do you have any stocks? Do you have? I, I. It's not that it has come to me just like that. Even I haven't had my tough phases of my life. So they say, no, no. I, all my insurances are in my husband's name. No, my father's name. I said, like, you need to go find out. I mean, figure it out. Tomorrow you are. Tomorrow something happens. Are you in a position to manage and handle your life on your own? You should not be, come on, the, uh, gone are those days like I'm an Abala Nari, I need somebody to come and you know help me out. No, I'm sorry, that days are gone. Even today in this time, I see a lot of youngsters who say, no, I really don't know how to go and do all these things. I said, come on, if you don't know, then learn it. I mean, I am also at the same time advocate 
कि वाई देर हेज टू बी अ प्रिंस चार्मिंग और मैन ओनली You can be on your own. I mean, you want to get married, married, get married to a companion. Don't get married to a person or anything, right? This is what I am. So I'm just telling it very openly about it. No, no, absolutely. And I think this is this is a good space to even talk about this because for a lot of women, and we keep saying this. In fact, one of uh, one of my uh, colleagues, she will say that she says, you know. I want to make a lot. She used to say, "I want to make a lot of money." I said, "Okay, yeah, money is important." She said, "No, if I make a lot of money, no one in my family will ask me to quit my job." And you know, I never thought of it like that. But she was right. She said because I contribute financially enough to the family that they don't then you know they will never ask me to quit. They will f- and you know in some ways she uses that as a as a leverage in some way to you know. get more support so when she had a child she said look i need like a you know help with like a nanny or you know with two nannies or whatever you know her morning nanny evening nanny, whatever you know additional support and she simply said if i can't then i'll have to quit and everybody suddenly you know chipped in and said okay no no don't worry we will all chip in we will all figure out we will all be there and so on so when she said it long back and i'm talking almost like 15 18 years ago when she said it i thought she was joking but then i realized like over the years what she said started coming out to be true to say that it was everyone in her environment who kept supporting her because she was making good enough money i said this is a great trick you know we should why haven't we shared this with other women saying make more money so that you know you people will you know in either ways you can flip it in any way but you know you will have active contribution that everybody will be thinking twice before asking you to let go of your job in some sense right or at least give you the kind of support you need for you to make those uh, transitions in spaces it's nice to hear but at the same time it's very sad like why can't just because a woman is not making enough money why can't she have her own career they can't make her own choice absolutely it's it's a yeah, i mean i don't like i said it it is it's a bit of a gray yeah. but uh, for her it worked out great like she and i thought it was a you know she picked it up as a as a principle and she said okay this is how i'm going to think about it and it worked out great but somewhere women themselves need to think about that put their career also as important and you know and i think that's a lot of times we don't even vocalize it and say that my career is important to me say that what it means to me it's more than just a job it's more than just bringing money home it's it is another identity it gives me confidence it gives me multiple things and have those conversations also at home which i think is something which women themselves don't do yeah it's more than the career putting first putting career first do you put yourself first the moment you become a wife family husband everything etc 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 comes first and your needs take a back seat after some point then when things settle down then you are about to think okay yeah now let me start doing then you become a mother so the moment you become a mother it's a societal cultural conditioning and the expectation ki women's ultimate moksha or a goal in life is that her life revolves around the children i agree i love my children i have three boys okay i love my children i'm not denying it at the same time i really don't want my entire life to revolve around my children they are my world but they are part of my world i can't say they are my world they are, they are, they are definitely part of my world so i'm a single mom so and and i keep telling this to my children so i said look 
I have done all these things. Now you please go. Now I need my space. How many times? How many women do this? Absolutely. Too much of helicopter parenting, whether as a mom or a or dad or anybody, it also doesn't give the space for children to grow and for yourself to grow as well. Right? Self, self, yeah, very much, very much. Just um, you know, bringing it to to this lens, saying so. You've been with in the HR world. You've been with talent management in general and been part of business strategies for organizations, etc. How? Do you think corporates are looking at this whole diversity space, especially women, and now extending to gen- different genders or you know fluid genders and all of those areas? How is how is this entire spectrum looking at it, and what is the change that you have seen in the last, like let's say, twenty five years of your work? So how have you seen that shift also happen for you? For the last one year plus, I am in the IT sector. So what I've seen in the IT sector, the diversity part is in a much better space, especially like my company than the other organizations. See, the other organizations, what happens is they want somebody, especially young girls, if they they want somebody to hire a young woman just freshly passed out of college, the questions they used to ask, I used to be in the panel. Okay, so what are your marriage plans? Do your parent parents want you to get married early or something? I said, why are we even asking these questions? Why do, do we ask the same questions to male candidate we don't right so then why do we ask and i have had instances when somebody newly married girl who had you know come for an interview this happened in, i think around like 8 9 years back a cfo one of the finance controller not cfo finance controller and cfo and myself we all were sitting in a panel very ca qualified very intelligent very smart everything was tick mark the the boss who she was hiring manager but she's just newly married what if she'll join and after six months or eight months, she gets pregnant and she goes suddenly. So what do I do? See, I know it may be a practical, you know, a challenge, but you can't put that as a reason to hire women candidate. This is something uh, the mindset need to change. You can't assume on your own, uh, you know, within six months or one year of getting married that they will have children. So even as, as old as, as recent as you know, two years back, two to three years back in my last organization as well, no, 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 we should not hire too many women, especially for this role, because if they're newly married and all, we need to check. I've had candidates being rejected because of these reasons. So I, I don't want to name the company. In one of the companies that I had attended the interview, ultimately I worked there, but so that's the reason I don't want to name the company. So I was interviewed and we said, okay, you are a working woman, you have three children and you are a single mom also. How do you think you'll be able to manage? Because, uh, you know, you'll have to go back home. You'll have to take care of three children. I said, I'll manage that. I, 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 and I've been having work experience for these many years and I've been working. So I will manage it. Then I actually asked this question. Do we really ask these questions to male candidates? Why do we ask such questions to women? He did not have an answer. I mean, I'm putting this across to whomsoever is listening in the audience. Why do we need to stereotype that Women only has to take care of the family, children, everything. Why can't even man chip in? And unfortunately, I also come from the therapeutic space. There's so much of cultural conditioning also for a man that you only has to be the breadwinner of the family. Not necessary, no. If he wants to take a break and take care of children at home, it's okay. And which is also, I mean, I have not heard too many men saying that, but I've also heard a lot of guys coming up and saying, I cannot take a step back in my career because I still have to be the provider. I still have to be the one who's the primary breadwinner and so on. You know, I want to 
just slow down on my career path because it's burning me out. I want to slow down, but they're not able to even do that. So this constant stereotyping doesn't, you know, it doesn't help either spaces, either genders. You know, a lot of emotional burnout happens and that is when they actually uh, you know, need to seek help. And it is, it's also a male-dominated society or so whatsoever we want to call as. It is so ingrained in them that, you know, man cannot break down. Man need to be strong and man need to be the breadwinner. Come on, it's at the end of the day, we are all human beings. You want to, you know, treat yourself as an individual first and hire me as a, for my talent, not for my gender. And there are organizations who really do a good job. And in our organization, my current organization, we take this DEIB. B is also added to our this thing, you know, very, very seriously. And we do have sessions uh, on a quarterly basis where we send this invites for employees to come and join and be part of the podcast or the wherein uh, people, LGBTQ community, all we have people from LGBTQ community as working as colleagues with us across the globe. So there is no uh, uh, bias there. So belonging, B is what I said, belonging. Belonging, we all belong to an organization. We look up to the, the vision, mission together in unison. So are you seeing a shift in, you know, organizations' perspectives or their approach towards DEI or... I, do you still feel they're just doing a lot of lip service and or is there more that's happening? Tell me, Lochan, how many how many women you see in the boardrooms these days? Not many. <laughs> yeah. So forget about the boardroom, mid-level and senior level, how many women you see? That shows that, you know, lip service, maybe a little more than lip service, I don't know. It, it's very, uh, it's, it's the irony uh, there. We still a lo- have a lot of things to do there. It's a long way. It's still a long journey. How many people you see yeah. in the boardroom? That is my definition of you know having an equal say in the boardroom when there is a discussion happening. Are you part of the major decision-making process? That's fair. I mean, what we've been noticing, observing, of course, is a lot of organizations do return to work programs and you know they try and bring back more women, especially in the mid-level who have taken breaks and want to come back and so on. But I've also seen while these programs are there, even within the program, they get very, very specific on the kind of skills that they need. And, you know, they get like, you know, very pointed and say, okay, I need somebody with these many years of experience having done exactly X, Y, Z. And sometimes it kind of deviates with the whole purpose of what what you're trying to do. You're trying to bring, bring back people and, you know, maybe inject some kind of additional competencies in them so that they can grow. But you're like literally waiting for that paka pakaya, you know, fruit to come in. How is that going to, you know, tie in with someone who has taken a break or especially someone who's taken slightly longer breaks? So how is that even going to tie in and, and so on? So that's definitely one gap that we also see and we also are observing a lot more in with organizations. I think the managers, especially the hiring managers, need a lot of coaching in that aspect. You can't have the exact tailor-made fit. When you're going to a ready-made shop like Westside or Trends or other things, it's not the tailor-made thing. It's there. It fits you. It's okay. If it doesn't fit, then you come and, you know, but you can't go and expect the tailor-made fit in, you know, Westside. You may get it. It's by luck, by chance. But otherwise, you will not get the tailor-made thing there. When you have a particular JD or a job expectations, this is the... Out of 10 pointers, is the person meeting seven and is the person is trainable enough for the other three? 
look into it if the person is not trainable then you take a call yes i cannot go ahead with this but if the person is having an attitude to learn attitude to perform and even deliver then pick it up pick up the person and hire them and train them the the, the mind block is coming for all these hiring managers or any anybody at the senior level is the you need to you know how do i say shake their mind and you know give them some coaching boss this is not the way have an open mind and if you recollect a few months back or i think it's been more than few months it's less than a year but access bank hired all this uh, you know transgender and also some uh, they created this new initiative called geek workforce and in this geek workforce they hired all women who are all returning mothers who had taken a career break after maternity that was a big thing it came on linkedin and my ex super boss is heading hr there so i was so thrilled and proud to see she has always been known to do a lot of uh, new new initiatives and revolutionary initiatives she is doing a great i mean these are things which we need to look up and then organizations will pick it up if that is also suiting their you know a need why not and most importantly you were asking about uh, the stereotypical cultural conditioning when an organization comes up with this uh, you know maternity leave similarly do we encourage even paternity leave for for a, for guys to take so the more we encourage such things women can actually return back to office in place rather than taking a break i mean with the nuclear family in the that is the in thing right earlier purane zamane mein what used to happen we used to have some dadi or somebody somebody in the family used to be there now we all are staying in cities in remote locations you need some support so when you need some support why it's a natural choice ki chalo yaar let the you know women take a career break anyway you're not the main breadwinner right so it's okay i mean that chalta attitude i mean will not work the way i have toiled like anything day and night to get a degree get a gold medal and to be where i am today similarly you have also done right so it is equal for you and me so i'm not saying ki exactly 50 50 little bit here and there from both the sides it's okay so somewhere there has to be a leeway room for a women to you know pursue a career rather than putting family first and everybody's comfort and everybody's thing first and sacrificing our own ambitions and yeah absolutely so this i know you work you know you work as a coach you also work in the emotional and wellness space a lot you know through your work around hypnotherapy etc so you work a lot in the in helping people to find themselves and find their space find themselves and undergo their own transformations right so what all do you how do you support this um i would say the career transitions or how do you support people who are undergoing these transformations what are the typical kind of people you work with or clients that you work with what spaces do you typically operate in then i would not like to you know box myself so for me somebody whenever they are in a crossroads so all of us been through that so when we we are actually going through you know uh, mid mid career what is the purpose the, the question when it comes you know what am i actually doing in life that is the question and a lot of things you know stumble out of the box so that question triggers a lot of future course of actions so when that thing happens then people are in the crossroad what do i do should i take this path should i take this path what should i do and that what should i do is where the conversation happens and then we figure it out what is it making them firstly to even think or go through that particular process and basically what what is a coach do coach doesn't do any magic coach does the magic is by 
being there for the client and listening to the client and also picking it up and being a mirror to the client. Otherwise, mirror the, the client is not in a position to see their own thing, what they are going through. So as a coach, I need to partner with my client to show the mirror and help them to see their own true potential, what they're capable of. When somebody is going through the crossroads, they forget their own potential, forget their own identity. And I have been through that. So since I have been through that, so I can totally can say with authenticity. And then you forget who you are. And like, what am I? Who am I? Then your total existence, it's totally gone. The self-discovery happens in coaching. Unfortunately, uh, therapy and coachings are all not being looked in a very, very positive way. Why do I go and tell my personal problems to somebody and for them to listen, I should give them money? Money, yeah. <laughs> I have my friends. If I if I buy him a uh, buy him a mug of beer, you know, he will still listen to my problems, uh, and it'll be cheaper than going for a therapy session. <laughs> I've been told, like, why will some stranger listen to me and you know tell me it's my problem? I'll go through it. And especially, I see this with men. I've had uh, uh, you know men. Are why should I go and give that much money to anybody? Yeah, I will figure it out on my own. That figuring it on my own, there's so much time gap and they, they end up losing so many precious things in life. And I've seen it from a very close quarters. And it is okay. It's okay for a man to take a career break. Because when, when a man is trying to take a career break, there's a lot of stigma, stereotypical, everything comes. break Okay, you are the breadwinner of the family. So, but the similar thing when women is doing, nobody says that, ha, tumara malak, good that you took a career break. Good that your children are in the right hands now. They won't uh, get into a wrong path or a wrong company. Oh, just because mom is at home, children uh, will not get into a wrong company, a wrong path. It's, it's nothing to do with mom being there or not there. And I have been given an ad- advice when I was, uh, had twins. They were just two years old. My elder one is, second uh, one happens to be twins. So all three boys, so you can imagine. So I was given the free advice. They go, now you should get into teaching job. See, I have a very high regards for teaching because that's the most difficult job and the most noblest job. And that's not my cup of tea. So you're forcing me to the, drink the cup of tea, which I'm not meant, meant to. to yeah. yeah. No, no, because you go to the same school, you can come back with the same children. And then you, it, it's like, it will be easy for you. I mean, why do people suggest an easy type of a job to women? Why can't it be done by men? I know there is a lot of man-women uh, discussion is going on. I was thinking earlier, I see that even today, you pick up something easy job, you know, like government jobs. And it's okay because once you get married, you have children. You have in-laws to take care. You have in-laws that should be taken care of by your husband. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, If you really think about it, like today, we do see a lot of people um, questioning, you know, this whole thing of saying, what am I doing with my life? And where am I? And I'm stuck. Now, whether they come in for a therapy session or or come in for a coaching session or or not, but um, there seems to be this question, which is coming up a lot. And we do hear people talking about it a lot. So what do you think is needed in this ecosystem to support them? as people are navigating through these questions and these phases, you know, what is missing in this ecosystem? What do you think can be done more here? So create the awareness among people, uh, the importance of coaching therapy, everything. It is perfectly okay. And it is okay not to be okay once in a while. 
and when you are not okay and it is okay to seek help okay is the word you know when somebody says ki i am going i am seeing a therapist to pagal ho gaya kya what is wrong with you mental hai i have had people coming and saying this and it is okay and first and foremost people need to be more mindful more sensitive to to somebody is going through a lot of emotional challenges in their lives we are human beings we may go ups and downs in in our lives and it is okay as a friend or as a ecosystem as such the way i have a headache i take a tablet the way, when you're going through a grief when you're going through a grief are you dealing with the grief or are you just allowing it to settle down inside and then not even crying it out or even letting it out and it is okay i hear a lot of people are i don't believe in crying what will happen if i cry will it go away i said no it's not going to go away at least you'll be able to deal with it what you what you have kept it in your chest so hard you'll feel lighter you'll just let it go flow that is where the message has it is okay to be vulnerable vulnerability and empathy are the, the the two most important qualities what everyone should possess especially leaders i mean i i do hear a lot of i do know a lot of people who are absolutely okay taking medication for insomnia for anxiety for um, uh, you know all of that but refusing to consider therapy so they are actively taking medication and you know without recognizing that anxiety or even sleep disorder insomnia and a lot of other things are manifestations of the emotional irregulation that's happening inside so it's coming out in different forms but they're okay to be on medication forever on a day- daily basis but still refusing to accept therapy as a supportive mechanism for them to kind of you know wean off because the stigma because, because the stigma. it's so strong still yeah it is still and most of my therapists out of 10 therapists for example we would be eight or nine would be women only one would be a guy and most of the uh, you know people who come for therapy with me i think maximum have been women it has to be equal in some ways because both struggle so it's not just one gender's concern or one gender's problem but it's actually both who need help at different points of time and different kinds of help at different points of time i think that's what is very important all right so let let me pose the last question to you we are kind of on time with your experience and your journey what would be like maybe one or two advice that you would like to give to anybody as they are rethinking their career or anyone who's at the cusp of figuring out should i continue my career not continue my career what should i do so what would you like to leave them uh, with with some some thoughts some suggestions advice from your end first and foremost pause it's a very powerful thing pause we are in this corporate race you know we are running 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 in a treadmill we end up stop thinking and because we we can't think because we are not pausing it's important to pause and slow down and then think what do i need to do next and you are not able to figure it out seek help and it is perfectly okay to seek help i mean i'm not telling that you you go to a therapist or go to a coach whomsoever you feel figure it out it's and then you will definitely find your way and it's important to be kind and nice to yourself don't be hard on yourself that and self love and self care is something i advocate it's not selfish it is important if you are happy and if you are content people around you will be happy and content if you are grumbling 
I will also pass on those things only to people around me. So what am I inside? I'm going to reflect it outside. Just be nice, kind and gentle to yourself and just take help. It's okay. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for putting that across. And, you know, what a what a wonderful journey. And of course, we've discussed range of things and uh, topics, uh, everything which is close to your heart, which is close to my heart. With the aim of how do we work towards making, you know, looking at people in a way that they can or, or equipping people so that they ensure that their careers remain un- uninterrupted, however they are choosing to define it. So that's definitely something that we would like this episode to help them with as they are navigating through this phase. So um, uh, before I forget, before we close, and it is okay that you follow a different path from the laid down traditional conventional career, as long as you are happy and passionate about what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Pallavi, for, for sharing your journey, for sharing your experience and for sharing your thoughts with us. We really it's been amazing and a lot of can see the passion coming in your uh, your energy coming through in this conversation as well so thank you so much for uh, for being here and for taking time out and talking to us thank you so much once again lochan it was wonderful interacting with you thank you career uninterrupted podcast is brought to you by off experience a pioneering platform that equips and enables mid career professionals to thrive through career transitions across life stages 